So this is the body love letter to the rising witch. Her soft majestic body is a holy land, and to the rising witch this love letter is my sacred offering. From out of the infertile soil of oppression the witch is rising. Blessed be her deep ready roots, for they seek out the natural nutrients of the wild world and keep her bare feet firm on hallowed ground. She is the heirloom seed planted under the full moon. She is the branch stretching skyward. She is the most ancient tree and the brightest impermanent flower. From out of the media-sustained swamp of body shame, the witch is rising. Blessed be her jewel-orange sacral center, for it writhes and wriggles with all the passion of the she-snake. She is soft-bodied self-worth. She is the guiltless consummation of her soul marriage. She is an open-legged body prayer and a howl moonward. That is Danielle Dolsky reading from her book, Woman Most Wild, Three Keys to Liberating the Witch Within. It's time to rise and listen to Progressive Spirit. Gather your circle. Stay with us. For the Pacifica Radio Network, the Public Radio Exchange, PRX, and from the studios of KBOO in Portland, Oregon, this is Progressive Spirit, progressivespirit.net. I'm John Schuck. You know, most modern witches are activists, and in um, Starhawk's latest edition of The Spiral Dance, she talks about how in witchcraft, more than any other tradition, spiritual tradition, you have a lot of environmental activists. And it's because, you know, we realize that we are of the earth. And so there isn't this emphasis on ascending the ego and being like up in the head like we were talking about before. There is this emphasis on the descent. And, you know, witches really believe that we are of the earth. So we work with the elements. And so, you know, the fact that the earth is so denigrated right now, um, that is a real source of rage. And so it is about, you know, not just feeling that anger and let it be kind of debilitating and have you just beat the ground or maybe do for a little bit, but then get up and uh, and transmute the rage and, you know, use it in spellcraft, but also use it in, in other ways too, like make your voice heard. Um, you know, come together in whatever way you can. I lived um, near the Gulf when the Deepwater Horizon spill happened and there was, I wasn't there because I had a little baby at the time, but all of the witches in the area just came together and stood on the beach and like, you know, willed the oil to um, to not come onto the shore and, and hurt all of the animals that were there. And, um, and I just felt like, like that was my first realization, like, oh, you can use witchcraft for some awesome things. And important things. Danielle Dolsky is an artist, teacher, and writer, a longtime activist for wild woman spirituality and the divine feminine's return. She leads women's circles, witchcraft workshops, energy healing trainings, and basic and advanced yoga teacher trainings. Her website is DanielleDolsky.com. She's on tour sharing her book, Woman Most Wild, Three Keys to Liberating the Witch Within. And she stopped by the KBOO studios in Portland to talk with me about it. Welcome, Danielle, to Progressive Spirit. Thank you, John. Very happy to be here. So tell me about uh, how this book came to be. So, okay, that's a long story. So I was raised... um, I was raised pretty evangelical Christian. Okay. And um, now we got something to talk about. <laughs> and uh, so I went to a Christian school and I went to church twice a week. Um, so I was very in it. And in Pennsylvania? In Pennsylvania, okay. yeah. And um, and there was always this this sense that um, that something was not quite right as far as divinity being external. That was the thing that just huh. didn't seem right to me. Um, and I had a lot of experiences that I could talk about in elementary school that just seemed like, you know, it was very fire and brimstone. And sure. um, so <clears throat> there was always this sense that something was off and that I wasn't being offered the whole picture. And um, my father was actually not a big proponent of religion. My mother was. So my mother was kind of in charge of my religious 
indoctrination. And um, my father kind of was this hardcore biker. So he Mm. was kind of at the opposite end of the spectrum. So when I was 12 or 13 years old, um, I really wanted to take a yoga class because that seemed intriguing to me. But my mom thought it was evil, which was part of why it seemed intriguing to me. Okay, right. (laughs) And uh, so my father signed the liability release because I was so young. And I ended up taking this um, amazing class from an awesome teacher. And it was kind of bizarre destiny that this amazing teacher was teaching in like the backwoods of Bucks County where I was. Um, so there was a little bit of fate involved in that, I think. Um, but you know, at the end of yoga, she, she was like the divine in me honors the divine in you. And I thought, Oh, that's interesting. That's kind of the piece I've been missing. So yoga was kind of like a gateway to witchcraft for me. And so I kept practicing yoga throughout my teenage years. And I ended up teaching my first class um, when I was 16 to my gym class, <laughs> to my wow. high school gym class. And um, and then witchcraft, We the, there was this town that was not too far away from where I live called New Hope, Pennsylvania, which was a very witchy place. And they had all of the, the witchy... I know New Hope. I, I bet. I, I, in, I went to seminary in Princeton, so we were... Oh, okay. Yeah. So you know that, yeah, right? So, yeah. so you it's, know... It's really a fun town. It's it really... is. And it's changed a lot, but it was very, um, you know, alternative when uh-huh. I was in high school. And there were a lot of old witches there and old pagans that were okay. very happy to talk to anyone about um, their beliefs and they had all of the tools and everything. So that was kind of the place I would go after school to learn as much as I could. And, um, and then I really just started practicing on my own. So, you know, not really hiding it from my family too much because I was old enough by then. Um, But then I went to Ireland when I was 18 and I lived there for six months and I had this amazing divine experience in, in the West of Ireland where I just had this sense of being held by the divine feminine mm. and i can't like I, I i can never explain it as as um accurately as it was as as a profound experience as it was i can't um describe it that well but it was you know the mists and the sheep and there was a cairn and it just seemed like i had been there before it was like oh my soul kind of knows this place And um, that was a real awakening for me that I had to be as fiercely authentic in my spirituality as possible. When I had my first son at 25, I decided I wasn't going to hide my spirituality anymore because I wanted him to be as authentic as possible. So it felt wrong for me not to be. So that was really my coming out of the broom closet was when I was 25. I was like, I'm not going to hide this anymore. I'm going to tell everybody that I've been a witch for a while. And I did. And and so the book came out of my work as a yoga teacher and leading women's circles and moon circles that kind of became witchier and witchier and witchier as I went on. So I've been doing that for about 12 years. And um, whenever women would would circle with me and practice, even though they had never done it before and they sometimes were very afraid of, of witchcraft or the word witch, um, there would be this kind of sense of homecoming. There would be like this, mm. like, oh, I've done this before. I kind of know this. And they wanted more. And, and, and so like looking for kind of a practical step-by-step how to be a witch, which is a spiritual tradition that resists all practicality. So that was where the book came out of. It was a like, how-to oh, book try. in which, does, which there is no how Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That was my attempt at that. Um, but it's being received really well. So um, I feel like it was... Uh, successful it was a successful attempt <laughs> so you came out of the broom closet at 25 so uh how, how are you in connection with your family um you know so my father died in 2007 oh, i'm sorry uh that's okay and um my mother and i have had a falling out since then so i do i do talk to her from time to time i haven't talked to her actually in um about a year and a half but um, it doesn't have that much to do with my witchiness. It has that other she... other stuff with family, yeah, yeah, things and yeah, and, yeah. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. It's just um, you know, I I feel like you 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 sign up for your parents for a reason, and after you've learned those lessons, yeah. You know, that's what you talk about though is such a common thing of mm-hmm. within generations or within people how spirituality and religion can put up such a such a barrier and that, mm-hmm. that that's such an issue mm-hmm. for other people and how 
I believe or you believe. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, there's a, a an I, almost more than any other. It's, I'm yeah. comparing it. I'm thinking maybe to sexuality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, then there's obviously a connection uh, mm-hmm. in in many ways. But those, but that that religious or spirituality thing is uh, people have such barriers and taboos. Yeah. All around it. Yeah. Uh, that it uh, can really be divisive for families. Um, in, in which when people are, are are going to explore. So it takes mm. great courage to come out of a broom closet is what I'm getting to with all of this. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah, spiritual oppression is, is I think, grossly overlooked as, uh-huh. um, you know, a, an instrument of uh, feminist oppression, misogyny. Um, you know, all of our available religions, accessible religions are patriarchal. And um, I know that a lot of women that I work with who were raised kind of like I was, they get such a strong distaste for it, like they kind of a visceral, like I, you know, I hate religion now. And they go straight to atheism and they just don't want to explore spirituality at all just because they were so bruised by their childhood religions, which is unfortunate. It shouldn't be that way. Do you find that your work then is with people who've grown up in more of an oppressive or or religion in general, organized Mm -hmm. religion in some sense that's coming out of that? Yeah, I do. And I never know if it's, you know, these are the the people that are attracted to to my work or if it's just so pervasive that, you know, everyone has kind of been scarred by this, but women in particular. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So so, uh, which... Um, mm-hmm. This is a term that you know is often is obviously so maligned. We have you know the witches at Halloween. We have from Macbeth from all all, all of this uh, idea of of witch being bad and evil painted by uh, the Christian Church and and I guess other religious groups is yeah you know out of the line the worst thing it can be you know yeah. so <laughs> really right. <laughs> so you've reclaimed uh, for yourself and, and, and following a long tradition of people who have been reclaiming the word witch. Yeah. Tell me what tell me what uh, witch means to you. So so a witch really is anyone who practices witchcraft, number one. Okay. Um, and witchcraft really is just a practice. So witchcraft on its own, I don't consider a religion. Some people would debate me on that, but I don't consider witchcraft a religion. I consider it just a craft, like a practice. And then has claimed the name witch for themselves. So not needing anyone to, um, you know, initiate you in the, into the tradition. Not that I'm um, condemning people that have done that, but but that's not necessary to call yourself a witch. And I think that a lot of times that's a big barrier for women who are coming to the craft as they're looking for somebody to kind of give them permission or um, tell them that they're doing it correctly. And that, you know, a big, a big message in my book is that you don't need that, that you really, what, what you need is that sense of, of agency, that kind of like, you know, belly born self-efficacy that you have the right to do this and so if you're looking for somebody else to grant you permission then you're going against the the your main source of power in magic and spellcraft it's kind of like uh what if you see the buddha on the road you should kill the buddha yeah you are really the buddha (laughs) right because it's you know if you if you grew up religious and even if you didn't you still kind of absorb the you know, the cultural messages about what religion is and what God is and deity and all of that. Um, but but especially as women who are taught that, you know, God isn't only external, but also a man, then there is already this very strong spiritual disempowerment that's a big barrier to to really claiming your craft and claiming the name witch. So, you know, there and there's this like search when you kind of first start to come to the craft, there's still this search for somebody to tell you that you're being a good girl. <laughs> and uh. and I think that it's almost seems like a rite of passage that um you know, women, particularly younger women who are coming to the craft that they seek out you know, somebody that'll do that, somebody that'll be be like a spiritual mentor. And sometimes that's a very positive experience. And sometimes it's a terrible and negative experience. Um, But somebody that'll tell them like, yes, you're doing a good job. Keep going. If you're just joining us on Progressive Spirit, I'm speaking with uh, Danielle Dulski. She's the author of a new book uh, that's come out this summer, Woman Most Wild, Three Keys to Liberating the Witch Within. You talked about some mentors. Uh, Mm -hmm. Did you have uh, mentors? You talked about your yoga teacher at first. Yes, yes. Um, And, you know, I I, I don't know if I would call her a mentor because I was just so young. But, yeah, her name was Kiran Mishra. 
and she still teaches around New Hope, Pennsylvania, actually, and she was an amazing teacher. Um, but yeah, my experience was actually a little bit more negative in terms of witchcraft. So um, when I was 25 and I said I was going to do this and I was going to tell everybody that I was a witch and I was going to figure out how to do it exactly right <laughs> and make uh -huh. no mistakes, yes. um, I, I did belong to a really small um, coven uh, where I lived in Florida and um, it was really damaging in, and um, not only in their presentation of what witchcraft was and, you know, being like, this is exactly the way you have to do it. So that's kind of like a big red flag. If somebody tells you this is exactly how you have gotcha. to, you know, believe and practice um, I so I should have ran then, but I didn't. And um, and yeah, it was kind of like a, a sexually manipulative coven, and um, and I was only in it for a little bit less than a year, um, but it was really scarring. And I wish that I had had somebody to tell me like, you don't need to do this. Um, and I was also in a pretty rural part of uh, Florida, so it wasn't. Um, like I had a, a lot of options for, and, a, a, you know, a list of spiritual mentors that I could have gone to. So I just kind of fell into this um, negative situation that wasn't a positive experience for me. But because of that, I'm able to, you know, tell women, you know, look for these warning signs. And it was kind of before the Internet was such a good resource, too. So now if you're looking to study with somebody, you can kind of research and make sure that they have people that will vouch for them, um, which is a good thing. Because I didn't have that. Yeah, um, because it can be uh, authoritarian and, and all of those negative things from organized religion mm -hmm. within yeah. the system. People, you know, with their just personalities can take over something. Absolutely. Yeah, it's exactly the same. So that's one of the red flags. Uh, mm -hmm. Then if people uh, tell you that this is the exact way, tell me some more about uh, other red flags, other things. Mm. Because it is a tradition, uh, is that even a good word? I think so. Okay, yeah, a tradition so. that is so free-flowing yeah. and uh, without a hierarchy mm -hmm. and no book. Right, right, so not really. So it's really people mm -hmm. figuring it out uh, by networking. Yeah, right, absolutely. So, I mean, you said it, the, the only other red flag that I can think of is if it, it does seem very rigidly hierarchical. So if it's like, you know, you have to, you know, pay your dues and, and be kind of the you know, the one who's fetching all of the things and be kind of like lower on the on the um, scale, then that's not a good thing because really the first step should be empowering the, the newcomers. And um, a lot of covens won't do that. The, the, a lot of the older covens won't do that. They still are like, you know, you have to kind of prove yourself. And... Um, and I think that, you know, for women who, who grew up spiritually disempowered, that's kind of the worst way to start. And, um, you know, an important part of practicing witchcraft that I think you do learn as you go along, but you may, maybe don't know it right away in the beginning, is that your, your craft, your spirituality cycles. So there'll be times, maybe years at a time, when you're like so into it and, you know, you're performing rituals every day and, and that, you know, you're very into the moon cycle and you're just, you, your whole being is entrenched in the craft. And then there'll be periods of time where you're just like, uh, I think I'm over this, right? But, but you will come back to it. So the main message that I have for newcomers to witchcraft is that your craft will cycle. So, so if there's a day where you just don't feel like doing it, don't be like, well, this clearly isn't for me. I'm not going to do this anymore. Um, because, you know, our, our spirituality has voids just like our sexuality does. And that's, that's right. You know, that came out uh, again and again as a, in your book about mm -hmm. uh, honoring mm -hmm. that the, sure, we honor the summer, we honor the sun, we mm -hmm. honor the, the, via positiva whatever yeah. the power and then but but we also need to honor the fallow time yes. right the via negativa the night the whatever mm -hmm. uh, the winter yes and you talk about that in seasons in terms mm -hmm. of days can you tell a little bit more about um the importance of following your 
natural rhythm, your connection with earth, as that's part of the spiritual practice. Yeah, it's everything. Um, you know, the, the feminine in everyone, so gender has nothing to do with it, but the feminine in everyone will cycle. So there, are, you know, you can think of it, the moon is a really good metaphor, and I know witches mm -hmm. get very into the moon, but um, it's, it's a good metaphor for the feminine because it, it, you know, it comes into fullness and it's at that peak of fruition and then it starts to wane and then it comes to the dark moon. So, you know, that's kind of how the feminine cycles in everyone. And so, you know, tracing your, your pattern like really going back into your story and looking at, you know, how how do you feel in autumn? How do you feel in summer? And, you know, what are the big events or woundings maybe that happen during the seasons? Because it does become kind of a predictable cycle and it's different for everyone. So it's not like, you know, um, you know, every autumn, everybody gets depressed and, and starts to grieve. It's not that way. Some people like me, for instance, feels amazing in autumn. And it's the time when I really feel like I'm the most me. So so look at your cycles and and know that they're unique to you. And there really isn't like, you know, a, a, a pattern that's common for everyone and that's shared. Um, but yeah, definitely tracing the fallow times and those times of fruition and everything in between is it's everything. And it makes you feel um, like you're not crazy if you have like, you know, months that feel like very low points. Like if you know that you've had that for the past 10 years of your life, then yeah, and to acknowledge and to accept uh, the sadness of life. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are times in which we need to lament and feel pain and and yeah. curl up and 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 and, right. and and to say, no, that isn't bad. You need to get out of it. No, that's part of. Mm -hmm. it. Okay. So what I what I hear in many ways uh, of of what your your craft is is mm -hmm. really listening. Mm -hmm. deeply to your own body, your own rhythms, and the rhythm of the natural world. Yeah, right. Absolutely. And there's just also a sense in which it's uh, listening to others, too. Is there a, tell me mm -hmm. more about the coven. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's a lot, of, um, a lot of witches that are solitary practitioners that don't belong okay. to a coven, and that's fine. Um, and I was a solitary practitioner for a long time after I had my negative coven experience. Um, and I think that that's kind of a common reaction. So, you know, a coven doesn't have to be uh, the same group of people coming together. Um, it can be, but it doesn't have to be. So, you know, the, the the coven that I have, and I don't even really call it a coven anymore. It's more of a teaching coven. Um, so, you know, women come together, um, you know, once a month or once per season sometimes. Right now it's kind of, because I'm here, so <laughs> it's kind of only once per season. Come together and uh, circle and, and talk and commune with each other. So talking about like Monday things, you know, taking their kids to the doctor or something like that, alongside the magic and alongside the spellcraft. And for me, that's always been an important bridge, this bridge between coven and, and just circle, um, sharing circle is everything because it integrates what can be looked at as weird or, or, you know, something that you have to hide and keep in the broom closet into your everyday life. And when you have a lot of other people that are around you and are validating what you're saying, even if they're not agreeing with it completely, um, that's everything. And, and it has a lot, it, it functions to empower, you know, where the magic comes from, the belly, the heart, and the throat. So, so it functions to empower the mother archetype, which is the generative part of us, that really is the source of the magic. Um, so, you know, mother not being childbearer or anything, but just the creatrix inside all of us. And, um, and that's been everything. So, so, you know, not necessarily coven coming together just to work their magic, but coming together to, to talk and be with each other alongside the spellcraft. Tell me about a powerful ritual that uh, came to mind for you. What has mm. worked for you to kind of connect you? Huh. So, um, you mean a, a ritual that I do regularly? Yeah, perhaps okay. that, or perhaps if someone were to come in new to, to this, or uh, what, what might you recommend, or mm -hmm. what was helpful for you as you were new? Mm -hmm. Okay, so... Um, the, the, so for, for somebody who's new to the craft, the best advice that I can give, I think, is to write your own spells, to, to, you know, figure out what works for you and don't necessarily reference 
the spell books that are out, or maybe reference them, but but don't um, look at the the spells that are available in so the grimoire. You don't grimoires. need to necessarily go to the witch section of the bookstore and get all those books on spells, or, or I what? mean, you can just to kind of see what works, but then absolutely write your own spells okay. because words are spellings. So you know, when you work your own um, magic with your voice, it's it just means a lot more than when you're reading something somebody else has written, right? So. Um, there's that. And then for me, a big awakening for me was, was the union of, of the yoga, which I now usually call body prayer, um, with my craft. So, so really getting the body involved in the energy raising, which is important for spell work. You need to, you, you need to contain where the energy is going to be. And then you raise the energy, which you can do through the body. It can be through movement. It can be through chanting, um, dance, anything like that. Um, but get the body involved. So, so your craft doesn't feel so centered in like the upper chakras in the head. Um, really pull it down as far as it'll go and, um, you know, unite it with your humanity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah you know, uh, organized religion in many ways. I mean, the religion I'm, I do, you know, church or whatever, mm -hmm. it, it is very heady. Yeah. You know, and, and especially my tradition of Presbyterianism, they're all bookish. And um, and and that aspect of the body uh, has been because it hasn't been you know, recognized too much mm. is often disparaged. And, and I think that comes from some of that uh, problem. And, and then it's often attached to women. Yeah. And, right. and that's been a long history of, yeah. of um, a really detaching uh, one's head from the rest of one's body. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. Exactly. So, so the rituals, the magic is in part mm -hmm. to get that long lost connection going again. Yeah, yeah, it's it's um, you know the the head from the body and the spirit from the soul. Like, you tell know, me about that. What's so, that? What, how, how does what's the difference between spirit and soul? <clears throat> so our our soul. So this comes from the work of Bill Plotkin. I want to give him credit because it's not my theory, but I do believe in it with all that I am. That the the soul is our individuality. So your soul is really why you are here. Um, so okay. it's all of your your passions and your wounds and, and your shadows and the things that you might not readily show the world or that you might not even know about yourself. Um, but those things that really make you unique, our soul versus spirit is what connects us all. Right. So religion, because it kind of arises out of social need, tends to emphasize spirituality and, and, and you know, we're, we're all one and like that kind of um, thinking and then then uses that to say why other people <laughs> can't belong. Right. But it's, it's we're all one, of, but you're not. Yeah, exactly. So um, so, you know, spirituality is our connection with each other. And then soul is is why you're a unique and individual in your body. So sometimes some traditions like Tantra, for example, will place the soul as feminine. They won't call it soul, but but feminine, like the body. Body. Um, the Prakriti is what they call it. So, you know, all of nature, the cosmos, all of that is feminine. And then, you know, the, the spirit is, is masculine. And so that's where I think it comes from, like this, this idea that the, the body and the emotions and all of those soulful things are linked to, to being, to, to woman is, is because they're really soul bound and they're what makes people question things because, you know, it doesn't suit their soul and it doesn't suit their purpose. Um, so in that it doesn't support the, the religion that really wants everybody to kind of believe in the same thing. I'm speaking with Danielle Dolsky, author of Woman Most Wild, Three Keys to Liberating the Witch Within. When we come back, Danielle will read from her book and describe the three keys. This is Progressive Spirit. ProgressiveSpirit.net. I'm John Schock. Stay with us. You're listening to Progressive Spirit, ProgressiveSpirit.net. I'm John Schock. My guest is Danielle Dulski. She's on the road talking about her book, Woman Most Wild, 
Three Keys to Liberating the Witch Within. So the three keys to liberating the witch within, the first key is wild rhythm. So that was what we were talking about, you know, being in touch with your own patterns and knowing that your craft will cycle. And then also, you know, being aware of the lunar and solar cycles. So so the seasons and the moon cycles and the way that they kind of relate to each other and then affect you personally. Um, and then the second key is wild ritual, which is your magic and your spellcraft. And so I talk about different types of spells, but the big underlying message is that you kind of have to like learn these different types of uh, types of spells, but then create them on your own. Um, and so, you know, figuring out how to write your own spells that really suit you and leave out the ones that don't. And then the third key is wild circle, which is coming together with others and putting the magic alongside the mundane. Yeah. Okay. Can you, um, your book is such, so beautifully written. It's written kind of a second person that you re, you're writing to. Right. Who, who is in your mind as you're writing? Huh. That's a good question. Um, I think, you know, I, I teach a lot. I, I consider myself a teacher more than anything else really. And so, you know, it is kind of teacher studenty, um, without that, um, sense of superiority, I think, or, or that's what I tried to do is have it not sound that I was sound, sound like I n know more than well, your authority um, who comes I'm from to. authentic, authentic experience, that's right? Not necessarily a piece of paper or a whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's an interesting question. Nobody's asked me that before. I don't really have, I'm not really picturing anybody while I'm doing it unless you know sometimes i feel like i'm I, I feel like we should always be the person we needed when we were younger so mm. so you know the the earlier articles that i wrote on witchcraft before there was a book it was always you know what would i have needed to hear um you know 20 years ago and um so i am thinking about that a lot but um yeah, but I'm not really picturing anybody in my head while I'm writing. And sometimes it feels kind of channeled. Not every time. Uh -huh. um, but, it, you know, sometimes it just feels like it's, you know, kind of just coming through me. And then I have to go back and edit and be like, you know, that sounds crazy. I don't even know what that word means. <laughs> Can, would you mind reading uh, a portion of your book? Sure. My guest is Danielle Dulski, and she's reading from her book, Woman Most Wild, Three Keys to Liberating the Witch Within. So this is the body love letter to the rising witch. Her soft majestic body is a holy land, and to the rising witch this love letter is my sacred offering. From out of the infertile soil of oppression the witch is rising. Blessed be her deep ruddy roots, for they seek out the natural nutrients of the wild world and keep her bare feet firm on hallowed ground. She is the heirloom seed planted under the full moon. She is the branch stretching skyward. She is the most ancient tree and the brightest impermanent flower. From out of the media-sustained swamp of body shame, the witch is rising. Blessed be her jewel-orange sacral center, for it writhes and wriggles with all the passion of the she-snake. She is soft-bodied self-worth. She is the guiltless consummation of her soul marriage. She is an open-legged body prayer and a howl moonward. From the crucible of soul-mandated transformation, the witch is rising. Blessed be her belly flame. It is a funeral pyre for who she used to be and a burning birthing bed for who she will become. She is fearless sacrifice. She is purposed passion. She is the stellar fusion of all she used to be and all she desires. From out of her dark night of the unruined soul, the witch is rising. Blessed be her emerald heart, for with all its wounded memories, surely it remains whole. She is a night spent weeping in the dawn of solitude. She is Lilith's choice to leave Eden. She is sacred vulnerability and a compassionate connection in the face of adversity. From out of the psychic shadows where secrets abound, the witch is rising. Blessed be her bright blue voice, for it resonates with the holy truth. She is a refusal to stay quiet, and she is her birthright to speak and be heard. She is maternal lullaby and death metal ire. From out of the ethereal realm of spirit, the witch is rising. Blessed be her indigo eye, as it opens to a feminine future and closes to shame. She is foresight. She is divination. She is the crone's intuition and the maiden's instinct. From out of the greatest mystery, the witch is rising. Blessed be her violet, far-reaching crown, connecting her to the wild cosmic infinite and naming her high priestess. She is the deified woman. She is a rewritten holy book and the vindicated mother of Babylon. She is the feminine spark imminent in all. She is you and she is rising. She is me and she is rising. From out of our wounded world, the witch is rising. Wow. I'm thinking... Uh... 
what came to mind was Maya Angelou, Still I Rise. Yeah. Uh, but uh, that's powerful stuff. Thank you. And that, uh, and, and, and that's, I mean, it's just right on. You resonate with that. It's like, yes, finally, it is within. God is within, and I loved her fiercely. I think, mm-hmm. you know, that. Yeah. Uh, and, um, and, 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 and rise. Now, there are a number of different kinds of streams flowing into this river. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have Wicca, you have yoga, mm-hmm. you, uh, there's Buddhism, mm-hmm. perhaps. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about the, the, the sources? Mm. Well, so yeah, my sources would be, um, I think every, every witch's sources are different, right? So, mm-hmm. so my sources, um, a big one is rage. <laughs> I have a lot, rage. Of, I have okay. a lot of anger, um, over, you know, the, the, messages about spirituality that I was given when I was younger. I have a lot of anger over that. And okay. I think that a lot of witches do. And, um, there was this time when I was in elementary school and we used to have these assemblies, right? So, so the whole school would come and sit in the auditorium and we had missionaries come and speak and they had just come back from Africa and they were talking about, um, you know, witnessing in Africa and a little boy in my class who was five just raised his hand and was like, you know, what happens to the little babies that you don't get to talk to? And the missionaries just really quick were like, well, they go to hell because they haven't heard the good word. And so, you know, you know, I was five and just thinking that that's terrible and has to be wrong. Right. And, and, and whenever I think about that, I still get so angry that there was just so many kids listening to that and just taking it for granted because it was, you know, grownups that were telling them that. Um, so yeah, so rage is a definite, um, river. And I think that a lot, a lot of witches have that rage river that feeds their craft. So there's that. Um, and, you know, rage is, is, it gets written off a lot as a low frequency emotion, but really it's, it, it comes in the, it's in the belly, which is the same center of, of agency and activism. So, yep. you know, if that rage can be transmuted in spellcraft, that's a very powerful resource. Um, so there's that. And then there's yoga. Like I said, yoga was really my um, my gateway to this sense of internal divinity. So that's an important one. And um, and I, I don't discount the fact that my first class was with such an amazing teacher when I was so young. Um, I feel like that was really meant to be. Um, but yogic philosophy has certainly influenced and particularly Tantra has influenced my philosophy. So, you know, this idea of the feminine being in the body and of the soul and, and, you know, kind of inside everything. Um, and also, you know, the feminine is being very cyclical like it is in Tantra. So it's the feminine that decides to manifest and create worlds. And so in that, um, the, the creatrix veils all other possibilities. I love that idea that, you know, it's the goddess that decides to manifest and then obscures all other possibilities. But that veiling, the great veiling, has been used to... Um, you know, condemn the feminine as being like, well, she's the illusion. She's the one that creates illusion. And it's like, yes, but she Mm. has to do that in order to create things. So, so tantric philosophy, certainly, and, and anger. (laughs) And then as far as my craft goes, a lot of that's probably from Celtic tradition. Like that, that was who my early teachers were. They were, they were of the Celtic tradition, not really Dianic Wicca, but. um, What's that Dianic? Dianic Wicca is so so Wicca is is a religion. Witchcraft isn't necessarily a religion. Okay, so there's a okay that's mm-hmm. a helpful for terms right there. Mm-hmm. So there's some distinction. Yeah, and a lot of the earlier books on Wicca were were written by men. So there's that. Okay. Um, but Dianic Wicca is is very feminist. So you know it's it's very um, goddess centered instead of the balance between the masculine and feminine, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. But that wasn't, I, I, I don't have a lot of training in, in Dianic Wicca, so I can't really speak about it with any authority. Um, but, but Celtic, you know, everybody, every, every tradition tends to view the directions a little bit differently, which are really important in witchcraft. So, so you know, the, the West is being, you know, the mystery and, and the water and, and, and autumn and all of that. That's really a Celtic 
abstract idea, just because if you think of where that was and the West being you know, sure. the great unknown. Um, so, you know, that's kind of the 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 differences that, you know, different traditions will look at the directions a little bit differently. But the underlying message is, is always kind of the same, you know, like you have the right to affect change in your world. And, um, and I think that that's such an important uh, belief for, for the feminine in everyone to have right now. And, you know, the, the, the feminine is rising, the witch is rising, the feminine is rising. And so, you know, when you cast a spell, you are claiming your right to affect change and to be the change agent. And you have to, you know, own that power. I'm speaking with Danielle Dulski. She's the author of Woman Most Wild, Three Keys to Liberating the Witch Within. You're listening to Progressive Spirit. I'm John Shuck. And I'm, as, as you're talking and talking about the power of, of rage, um, that is an emotion that women are not supposed to have. Mm-hmm. Women are supposed to have tears and men are supposed to have rage. Right. And so, wait a second. I'm angry. There is injustice in this world, and 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 it, it's it's coming down on me and my sisters, and we are going to get rid of it. I mean, rage is is mm-hmm. is healing, yeah. And, and, but it also needs to be channeled in some way, mm-hmm. and and that's what the practices of spells can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, there's a big part of of witchcraft is especially contemporary witchcraft is activism like we okay that's what i wanted to get to i wanted to get to some of the social and political aspects of this too right so so you know most modern witches are activists and in um starhawk's latest edition of the spiral dance so so star starhawk wrote you know spiral dance was kind of like my my first witch book and i was like oh, ah, I okay. love it. um but her 20th i believe anniversary edition which is still now probably at least 10 years old she talks about how in witchcraft more than any other tradition spiritual tradition you have a lot of environmental activists and it's because you know we realize that we are of the earth and so there isn't this emphasis on ascending the ego and being like up in the head like we were talking about before there is this emphasis on the descent and you know witches really believe that we are of the earth so we work with the elements and so you know the fact that the earth is so denigrated right now. Um, that is a real source of rage. And so it is about, you know, not just feeling that anger and let it be kind of debilitating and have you just beat the ground or maybe do for a little bit, but then get up and uh, and transmute the rage and, you know, use it in spellcraft, but also use it in, in other ways too. Like make your voice heard. Um, you know, come together in whatever way you can. I lived um, near the Gulf when the Deepwater Horizon spill happened, and there was, I wasn't there because I had a little baby at the time, but all of the witches in the area just came together and stood on the beach and, like, you know, willed the oil to um, to not come onto the shore and, and hurt all of the animals that were there. And, um, and I just felt like, like, that was my first realization, like, oh, you can use witchcraft for some awesome things and important things and it isn't just for personal gain was another thing that um, newer witches you know especially if you, you you look at all of the spell books that are available there tends to be a little bit of an emphasis on you know personal prosperity and and um, working your magic just for you which is important but it's also you know the feminine is collectivist like we have to really rally and if we did you know if all of the witches would come together and really harness the power that they have um, it, there I don't know if there's a greater change agent than that and now, look, activism, you know, I'm, I'm ticked off. <laughs> I'm, I'm ticked <laughs> off at the fact that right now uh, the Secretary of State is, is basically a, a criminal uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and a destroyer of Earth. And, and now we've got this, this, these, these mobsters uh, in the White House. I mean, we've always had issues with this, but, but really, yeah. today. Yeah. So uh, how, how is that? Uh, how have yeah. you, how have you, what about those <laughs> kinds of politics and, and the rising witch? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I've been looking at this as a, uh, like a, a long, painful labor. Ah. <laughs> and well, hopefully something's going to 
be born then. Yeah. Is that, is that the, what you mean? Yes. I mean, that's that's the way I'm choosing to look okay. at it. Um, sometimes only because that's the, you know, it's kind of like the saving grace that I have. <laughs> so I will look at it like it's a long labor and something good is going to come from it. All right. Um, I also have a very close psychic friend who told me, you know, the, the day after the election, I was devastated. And it was kind of like a, a traumatizing thing for a lot of women um, yes. in my circle. And... She said that she knows for sure that he will be impeached within his first year <laughs> by his own party. And so I cling to that. <laughs> I cling to that um, every day when I wake up. <laughs> I'm like, well, she told me. So there's that. But um, but yeah, it's, it's, it is, I, I, I think that, you know, we can look at it like a dark night of the, you know, collective soul. Um, we can look at it like... Um, you know, this is really what's going to cause the people that need to rise to rise. Well, that that's where I was wondering. Sometimes mm-hmm. it just takes, uh, you know, the, the, an, an obvious stereotypical bad guy. Yeah, right. To, to come in and mm-hmm. wake us up. Yeah. I want to talk about two things with you. Mm-hmm. One is you, you just reminded me of something about uh, what it is like socially. Mm-hmm. to be a witch today, some mm-hmm. of the risks mm-hmm. uh, of coming out uh, mm-hmm. as as a witch, uh, as pagan, as Wiccan, or mm-hmm. whatever, you know, all, that whole thing. And then the next part, I also want to talk about gender a little bit. And, mm-hmm. um, uh, for example, trans women, mm-hmm. or uh, you, you're speaking to women, mm-hmm. um, and, and what level that might be mm-hmm. translated to men mm-hmm. who are, uh, uh, you know, open-minded mm-hmm. <laughs> to this. So, so, but first of all, talk about the um, the, the social risks Yeah. Um, The the first thing I thought of when you asked me that was my kids, because they do in school, um, for instance, my eight-year-old was talking about how I wrote a book, and I guess he was perceiving that people weren't believing him. So he grabbed one and brought it and gave it to his teacher. And I was like, oh, no. And then he told me afterwards. So I didn't know that he had done that. And I thought, like, I'm going to get a letter (laughs) or something's going to happen. So there is – I do feel the need to protect my kids a little bit from it. And I've stopped really putting their pictures on my social media and stuff. But – but for me, it hasn't been a big problem. And I think that that's because of where I've lived or where I live now anyway. And I know that for a lot of women, they really do live in very conservative areas. And I work with a woman who would be who is a witch, but she's terrified to say anything because she's she fears for her physical safety. So, you know, I, the, the message in the book, even though it's liberating, it, it's not, you know, jeopardize your safety and, and, you know, screw everybody else. It's not that. So I do think it's still a problem. It's still, um, witches are still feared that, you know, the verse, thou shalt not suffer a witch to live, that's still in the collective psyche, I think. Um, so... I, that's why I'm, I'm really glad to have you on my show mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> because I think it's so important to be able to say, you know, the I am this, right. I, whatever you need to be. Yeah. You right. know, um, it's a, talked about, uh, let's talk about gender for a mm-hmm. second. You write You're writing to women, mm-hmm. particularly because they are the folks that have been most targeted. Yeah by right. the the oppressive part mm-hmm. of it. Uh, what about uh, transgender, men, men to women, women to men, uh, mm-hmm. or, or men in general? How, how might they um, find the witch within too? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, you know, look at it like it's all about the feminine, which is in everyone. And uh-huh. I think that um, I just had an interesting experience, actually. I was supposed to speak at a women's festival, the feminist festival, a really old one that I won't name. Um, but they were, they, it came out that they were trans exclusionary feminists and that they, they wouldn't welcome anybody who wasn't born female living female. That was their wording. And I was like, I have a big part in my book about how you, you can't yeah. do that. If you're a feminist, you're against oppression. Um, and you know, it, I, I really feel that it male and female has nothing to do with it. You know, you can be a male witch, certainly, but it's all about the the feminine. Um, and the feminine is always changing. So, like, I use the triple goddess metaphor a lot, and even though, you know, maiden mother crone has kind of gen- gender connotations, it's more about these different aspects of the holistic feminine that need to be integrated. 
um, and authenticated socially. And so, you know, the, our maiden traits in everyone are our sensuality and our emotional integrity and our embodied knowing. And our mother traits in everyone are our generative creativity and our holistic relationship and our authentic voice. And our crone traits in everyone, male or female or anything in between, are uh, anyone in between, are our intuition and our spiritual connection. And so, you know, that's the triple goddess archetype, um, which you can look at as a metaphor. And then the triple god, hunter, father, sage, there's aspects of the sacred masculine that have been just as suppressed, right? So, um, you know, if you look Look at the triple goddess and the triple god it's the father that's taken over so i call it the sins of the father it's it's the father's very mm -hmm. individualistic and and protective and um kind of moves from a fear-based instinct place and we need that but we also need you know those five other <laughs> aspects of right. the psyche too um so yeah so it's not male female it's it's um it's feminine it's bringing out the feminine very important book uh woman most wild three keys to liberating the witch within my guest uh, has been danielle dulski and she's on tour talking about this book do you have a website danielle i do it's danielledulski.com DanielDolsky.com. That's where you can go and find out more information about this book. Uh, Danielle, thank you uh, for it, uh, for visiting with me today. Thank you, John. Progressive Spirit is heard every week. On Progressive Spirit, you hear interviews with cutting-edge scholars, authors, and activists who have something to say about social justice, human flourishing, and things that matter. I'm always on the lookout for interesting guests. Uh, the more non-mainstream, the better. So go on my webpage, ProgressiveSpirit.net, and send me an email if you know of someone. Progressive Spirit is formatted for radio and is distributed every week through the Pacifica Radio Network and PRX, the public radio exchange. Thanks to the following radio stations for carrying Progressive Spirit every week. WETS, Johnson City, Tennessee. WEHC, Emory, Virginia. WPVM, Asheville, North Carolina. Cutstown University Radio, Cutstown, Pennsylvania. KCEI, Taos, New Mexico. And WLRI, Lancaster, Pennsylvania. If you enjoy the show, ask your local public radio station or your favorite commercial station to check it out and consider adding Progressive Spirit to its weekly lineup. You can also catch Progressive Spirit on your favorite podcast app. If you like the show, please share it on your social media and say nice things, won't you? The website is ProgressiveSpirit.net. Facebook, Twitter, yep, we do all of that. Progressive Spirit is produced in the studios of KBOO in Portland, Oregon. I'm John Shuck. Be well.